Countrywide on RTE Radio 1, sponsored by the Irish Farmers Journal. Now with our highest ever readership of 321,000 weekly readers. Countrywide on RTE Radio 1, sponsored by the Irish Farmers Journal, bringing 295,000 readers the latest farming news and the best of rural Ireland weekly. Good morning and welcome to the programme. Coming up between now and nine o'clock, there's a festive feeling to this week's Countrywide. As we enter Christmas week, we voices and stories from around the country looking ahead. And there's a choral flavour too, with contributions from choirs and musical groups who've been part of the Lyric FM Choirs for Christmas series, stretching back over two decades. Along with a piece by cellist Patrick Dexter, which we'll hear later. Putting up the Christmas tree really signals the start of the festivities. Now for many years they had a steel tree, but this year the community in Kilfinnan County Limerick decided to put up a real Christmas tree in the centre of the village. But things didn't go entirely to plan. It's one of the hardest things you're going to do is pick a tree for a village. You're inviting everybody to come and look at it. They're all going to have an opinion. It's too long, too small, doesn't enough branches on it, doesn't have enough lights. I don't like white lights, I don't like coloured lights. So today we've gone for a tall, thin tree with white lights and coloured lights. We're going to be honest this evening, we hope. You're going for the full pack? We're writing a wrong limit. We're going back to a real tree to try and get back to where we were. There was nothing wrong with the steel tree, but it just wasn't right. It was a beautiful tree in the wrong place. This year we've gone back. To what was in Kilfinnan for the, all my life, and my father before me, he erected Christmas trees here in Kilfinnan as well with, with the committee at that time. So it's 10 o'clock in the morning, it's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful, and look, you're the highest town in County Limerick, so we're, we're getting the belt of the sun, and why not have a real tree? You know, and it's, it, I think the tree is actually 40 feet high. You might just sneak over some of the buildings over there, and you might spot it from Limerick City below. Limerick City is about 26 miles away. 26 miles, but look, because we are so high up, we have a massive advantage. And of course, everyone's given the time for nothing. This is what volunteerism in a small community is about. Like, without this, there is nothing. We're just lifting it off the old trail, I don't know. It's the tricky part. You need to move the chain up maybe three quarter way in the tree. He'll be able to take full control of the way. That's the machine driver. He'll zoom it up to the sky. Three ropes in the base. Be able to manoeuvre it while he's balancing it vertically. And the plan is it'll slot down straight into the hole. No. What's the chances of that happening? None. But we'll try it anyway. It's literally floating in mid-air. We have some pressure now on the back end of this tree. The two of us here are holding the weight of it. 
just to steer it like a steering wheel. The entrance point is very narrow. Mind his mirror, mind the mirror, mind the mirror. Mark, will you turn it that way? Are we okay? We'll just reposition the teleporter and the chain. See if it'll take the weight a bit better. Oh my god, there's too much slack at that halter. Uh, hang on, no, 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 hang on, put that down. She didn't take. I'll wind up the slack. There is a stunned silence. That crack was the tree breaking. It got caught under the teleporter as it was attempting to raise it up. Tommy's walked away. He's ashen. Andrew and Mark are examining the damage. It's bad. It's bad. We need to pull it over the end put it back in the ladder and take out the pintons and burn them. There's an almighty snap there, under, with a bit of a mishap, all right. Well, let's cut it there, Tom, and make the tree shorter. I know, but sure you apologise. You should give it a go, so we might as well. We'll cut it and see how we get on. Someone's telling us, hi, lads, the steel tree was there for a reason. <laughs> but you know what? The people around the street tomorrow won't know whether it was brought in at 30 feet or brought in at 40 feet. It might be okay, damn it. To be that worse, the tree broke. And it was up in the middle, and someone got hurt. We've got clouds of sawdust coming off the bottom of the tree. It's just to get it right at the bottom of the hole, like it won't fit into the hole like that, like you know. The pipe has gone into it, it's perfectly around trees, not like you know, so it's cut off all the knots and things, or branches well, like you know. The much shortened tree has been manoeuvred into place. It's upright, it's in the hole in the square. It's time to get some lights on it. What we're going to do now, Damon, is the boys are going to go to the top of the tree. Because the tree is small, I'll stay on the ground. <laughs> and I'll walk around with the tail end of the lights. These plugs have to end up in the middle of the tree down below. We're in the cherry picker. Going up now, putting the lights onto the top of it. So all right now we can see Schlievery over. Rising slowly. Rising slowly, yeah. So we're pretty much at the top. I'm getting a little lightheaded. Can't you go up before, will you? Oh, Jesus. You, you'll go putting the engine on top of the tree here in a minute, you will. Up, James! Stop it. Stop it. Jim, the worst bit is if it gets tangled. Yeah, like, like it is now. <laughs> yeah, have it, yeah. The cherry picker is moving us around the tree as much as it can. And Mark is leaning out, trying to cast the lights over the edge of the branch and then Andrew's catching that branch getting the cable tie onto it yeah just to keep them there hold again so you're to the back you're again now that's it it's impossible to know if the lights and the rescue job on the tree has worked until it gets dark so Mark and Tommy are going to come back at 7 to check we need a, we need a row just a, just a row down here. It doesn't need much. No. We started here at half nine this morning with a 40 foot tree. In the ground, we have a 27 foot tree. I think it's more of a 34 foot tree now myself. I don't think it's only 27 feet at all. measure the tree. Look, it came out better than it's fine. Yeah. It's, it's more than fine. Genuinely. Yes, it is more than fine, really, it it's is. Fine. Yeah. It's better than what I thought it would be. That's the best way to put it. I came up about half four. 
So it's eight, me. What's, I was just waiting for it to get I'm down. Sorry, I, I was waiting for it to get down. I got to go. I got to go. I got to go. So I, I went up. I, I only missed you. I, I couldn't even record it fast. <laughs> Tommy, yeah. it's absolutely beautiful. Well done. Beautiful. Yes, you, it's just beautiful. It's, it's getting the tree back going again. And a real tree. It's real just tree. gorgeous. Well done, lads. You put in some day's work. Fair play to you. It's appreciated anyway. Tell me about a Christmas tree going up in Kilfinnell. Oh sure, it's great. Great atmosphere. It's lovely to see the village lit up with a tree. I hope that it will bring people together and it lifts everybody, I think. It's a real Christmas spirit. It's a sign of a great community. You've been sitting since half nine this morning looking at that tree going up. As I know now when my grandkids come down they will just love it. They will sit there looking out at it now. They'll just adore it. What does the tree stand for for you? We give the light of the tree to the people who've died in the community. And I'm thinking of them right now even. We all lost loved ones this year. They're there on the tree for us. That's what it means to me. It's a crisp, beautiful evening. The branches are moving ever so slightly. Little gentle wind. And so the lights... Twinkling, twinkling. Just stunning. I love it. You could dream away looking at that. It's like looking at the stars at night. Happy Christmas to you now, Dermot. Happy Christmas, Tommy. this lane here we're overlooking Ocker. fantastic view over here is Crokin Mountain probably one of the biggest mountains in Wicklow and it's a place where there was actually a gold rush in the 1700s wow yeah and there's still gold in the mountain and hopefully people will leave it there <laughs> <laughs> this is a busy time of year for many but in nature things have slowed down 
and I'm tramping the lanes with Geraldine Kavanagh, a professional forager from Ockram County Wicklow. I come to this lane, I often have classes here on this lane, it's just on the outskirts of Ockram and sadly these days good hedgerows are becoming quite rare because people tend to cut their hedgerows right back and not leave any branches, any tall trees. So we lose a lot of biodiversity, a lot of nesting ground for birds and an awful lot of wild food that's of course predominantly for birds and for animals but also if we want to forage ourselves. Mm-hmm. So this is one lovely Saturday example with Katie of a traditional on RTE hedgerow Radio one. with a meaningful Christmas, th- which mm-hmm. was traditionally planted to keep livestock in or out. And behind us here also there's a hawthorn tree and above us there's a crab apple, so you can see all the yeah. apples are still on the ground. They're very sour to us, but wildlife, I suppose, love those crab apples. They're sour to us, but we can use them as well. Oh. You can make lovely crab apple jelly, you yes. can use them in tarts. So they're perfectly suitable for use once you add a little bit of sugar. And you can see they still quite easily get a lovely basket of crab apples there now. Also, there's a few slows left. That's another lovely wild fruit, the same family as a plum. And we mostly would use those to make slow gin. Anyone who makes slow gin will have their slow gin resting in a bottle now with sugar. And they'll be looking forward to drinking it at Christmas time. We'll take a little walk along further. You have your baskets with you. How important is a foraging basket? (laughs) These are lovely ones. Oh, I I love my baskets. I, I never go anywhere without them. My baskets are made in Ireland from willow. They last for years and they're so good for foraging because like if I pick mushrooms, they're not going to get damaged. If you pick mushrooms and put them in a bag, they'll be destroyed by the time you get home. If you pick flowers, put them into like a plastic bag, they'll sweat. Like if you put your elderflower into a plastic bag by evening, it's destroyed. So baskets, they're just really nice to hold as well. They're sustainable. They're made from willow, which can be cut Mm -hmm. and which will regrow forever like I don't really use many tools for foraging. I occasionally would use a knife or a scissors, but all I ever really use is a basket. Okay, let's walk on a bit more. Okay, so take up the baskets. Tell us about your work with the distillery as well, because you are a forager for Glendalough Distillery. Yeah. I know. (laughs) I'm one of the few people who have an actual foraging job in Ireland. My title is Botanical Forager, which uh, doesn't work very well when you go into the bank or something like that. (laughs) So what's your profession? I say, I'm a forager. And they're like, what? And they, they they go through all the lists of professions and there's just no, like nothing. It's not there. Yeah, <laughs> it's not, it's not categorisable at the moment. So yeah, I uh, was teaching foraging for a couple of years and at the time the founders of Glendalough Distillery were selling putchin and whiskey. They had this idea that they wanted to make gin but they wanted the gin to be somehow connected to Wicklow. So we had a chat about it and the guys had a nice base recipe with the juniper and coriander and some of the spices that most gin makers would use and so we all met up and we went out foraging and then they went off with all of the stuff in the back of the car and I waited for two days wondering how is it going to turn out and then I got to chat to them and said so how's the gin and they're like oh my god it's amazing it's so good fantastic yeah so we were using elderflower and clover put sorrel in and different types of fur and a lot of different things and we've kind of continued on making it in that way ever since because that's I suppose how it worked and there was nobody really doing that at the time. It's very handmade and it was expressing the place where we live. It was celebrating the wild ingredients and it kind of put us on the map. People who were really into gin thought it was very cool. It's brilliant. 
most foragers at this time of year would be eating and drinking things that they've made. Like it's really a time to rest and to probably enjoy the fruits of your labour. Mm-hmm. So I'd be more inclined to be sitting down with a glass of slow gin in the evening than to be uh, out foraging. But I do still like to pop out and pick some little thing like I might make a soup and I might pop out and pick something like what you have in the basket there that three cornered leek oh yes because that's going to be out at Christmas time I would be using up things that I have kept like Mm -hmm. I had a special dinner just recently and I had a couple of kilos of frockens or wild blueberries I picked in the summer I've got some lovely chutneys I've got some lovely syrups and things you're enjoying the stuff that was plentiful early in the year it's that quieter winter time yeah it's really a time to rest and being a forager your work is very physical and Mm. by the end of the season you're quite tired and it's actually nice just to just to let your body rest and to just enjoy Christmas with your family. Exactly. We live in a in an old cottage and it's really lovely in wintertime. The rooms are small and it's very cosy and, and I just like to curl up on the sofa and watch a movie or read a, a book or just rest like everyone does. Absolutely. Suzanne Campbell reporting there. You're listening to a countrywide Christmas special here on RTE Radio 1. More to come after this break. Countrywide on RTE Radio 1, sponsored by the Irish Farmers Journal. Now with our highest ever readership of 321,000 weekly readers. There's something about Christmas. You're listening to Countrywide here on RTE Radio 1. Now, this morning, we are in a festive mood with sounds, songs and stories from all across the country. Aileen Lambert has compiled a children's songbook titled The Frog and the Mouse. And this week, Brenda Donoghue went to visit her in our County Wexford home. Just coming up to the front door and there's a rooster and there's geese and it's all very festive here. I just knock on the door. Hi Brenda, come on in. Hi, are you Nelly? Yes, I'm Nelly. And look at all the lovely girls here. Who have we got? Uh, well, I'm the oldest. Yeah. And this is Epi. Say hi, Epi. Hi. And then here's Nan, the youngest. Hi. There was a rooster at the front door. Who's that? That's Breakdance. And Breakdance was named Breakdance because as a child he had he couldn't walk properly. And I think he had <laughs> this thing called spraddle leg. So he couldn't walk and he would always do the splits and that's where he got his name. I love your Christmas tree. Well, there's elves on it. <laughs> well, Mama's inside, so... Thank you very much, Nelly. Aileen, how are you? Thank you for having me in your home. Welcome, lovely to see you again. Congratulations on the book, The Frog and the Mouse. The idea behind it. Well, Brenda, I've been singing songs, traditional songs with children for the last 15 years or so. And I always thought it would be great to pull together a songbook. So in the last year and a half, really, I started compiling all the great little traditional songs that are so engaging that children love and um, put them together in the songbook. And then it ties in with a YouTube playlist of videos as well of me with the girls singing the songs. And I just know that children will love it because they always love the songs when I when I get to share it with them. When I think of some Irish traditional songs and children singing them, they're about loss and emigration and 
famine. Yeah, it is true that often you will hear children called on to sing a song for the family, maybe at Christmas or something, you know, when there's Mm. often a bit of a get together and a few songs. And they'll sing some big song with meaning that, you know, goes over their heads like it's, as you say, lost love and somebody who left their homeland. And they haven't really had those experiences. But the nature of these songs, like be it the lovely little lilted choruses they have um, or the subject of some of the others, like animals holding a party, for example, you know, um, children just love to hear about them. They're, They're just full of fun. So what songs have you discovered? How did you find the mailing? Give me an example. I'd love to. The girls <laughs> would love to sing for you, Brenda. Would you sing for me, girls? Yeah. yeah. The songs, there's 14 in the book and they're all anonymous. They are, really are the, the old traditional style songs that have been passed on from generation to generation. A couple of them have new verses added to them, all right, by some contemporary singers and one of those is Miss Mousie's Ball. Luke Cheevers loved it so much he wrote a couple of extra verses for it, which is great because it's one of the girls' favourite songs. Would you give me a little blast of it, please? Miss Mousie said she'd hold a ball and ask her neighbours one and all. She'd hold it in a splendid hall, most kindly lent by Mr Mole. There'd be no end to nuts and roots, cherries red and candied fruits, juicy leaves and buttercups, and dewdrops in some acorn cups. Di-dum-a-dee, diddle di-dum-do, diddly di-dum-a-dee, diddle di-dum-do. Di-dum-a-dee, diddle di-dum-do, diddly di-dum-a-dee, diddle di-dum-do. That was really lovely. So one of the songs the kids love is a song with the title Knickers of Corduroy. The source of it is a recording where Mairead Nigonal is singing it and seemingly she got it from her aunt Nellie Nigonal in Ranafast in County Donegal. So where I can, I like to track where I got the song from, but so many of them I don't even know where I got them from. And of course, Knickers here is short for Knickerbockers because it's about a fairly queer looking fella and his get up. And that's what's in the chorus. We sing the chorus just... He wears a pair of laceless shoes, knickers of corduroy, a swallowtail coat and waistcoat, he's only got one eye. His hair and whiskers both are black, he wears a castor hat, and can anyone kindly tell me, have you seen me darling Pat? One of the things about the book as well is that there's lots of extra added bits like crosswords and recipes connected to the songs. Tell me about Col Cannon. So yeah, we have a lovely song called Col Cannon, or people might know it as the Little Skillet Pot. And sure, we couldn't resist but to include a recipe in it. Most people would know it from the Black family have a lovely recording of it from a good many years ago. But it would have been quite a commonly sung song. And it's got some lovely old words in it, like it has... um. Your oxter, if you know where you might put something under your oxter. And some old Irish words in it too. Just things like boreen and even chloricon and colleen. So some lovely vocabulary in it. Did you ever eat colcannon made with lovely pickled cream? With the greens and scallions mingled like a picture in a dream. Did you ever make a hole on top to hold the melting flake of the creamy flavoured butter that our mothers used to make? 
Yes, you did, so you did, so did he, and so did I. And the more I think about it, sure, the nearer I am to cry. Oh, weren't them the happy days when troubles we had not? And our mothers made call cannon in the little skillet pot. Well, Aileen, aren't they brilliant? It must be lovely to sing with your daughters. It is, and I think really for everybody, it's something they re that happens them when they become a parent. You know, when you have children, you need to sing lullabies to get them asleep. You need to sing little play game songs to keep them entertained on your knee. And for us, it's something that we've just continued to do and learn some of the, you know, lots of songs in the tradition and sing them around at home when there's gatherings. And we love to sing in the car. It's one of our favourite places to sing. Well, happy Christmas to you, Aileen, and to Epi, Nan and Nelly. You're going to sing a Christmas carol for us. Well, there's a song called Up on the Housetop that um, me and my sister sing. And where do you sing it, Nelly? Uh, in the car also. Take it away, girls. Up on the housetop, reindeer paws. Out jumps good old Santa Claus. Down through the chimney with lots of toys, all for the little ones' Christmas joys. Ho, 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 who wouldn't go? Ho, 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 who wouldn't go? Up on a housetop, click, 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 down through the chimney with good Saint Nick. getting chilly now isn't it it is getting colder but sure we're very lucky to have had such good weather it's nice to see you back out of the shed oh thank you hannah <laughs> I, I i couldn't resist i had to come out and have a look and see them they they would do your heart good just to see the the cows and the calves and they look so happy uh they People who might not know, you had a little bit of an accident. Just in the yard here, I was doing the, the nighttime check. And uh, I, I, I suppose I was rushing a little bit and I tripped and fell and uh, dislocated my shoulder. So I'm 
sort of temporarily out of action, if you like. But things happen so easily. It's uh, a lesson. The hospital uh, uh, in Limerick actually were excellent and we were in and out of there in two hours, which I shouldered back in, which was a big relief once it was put back into place. And um, I... Uh, I'm making a good recovery in that I'm up here at the shed today and that's um, about 10 days since uh, since it happened. So I, I, I feel very lucky to have got away so lightly. I, I, I guess as well, um, it was a bit of a shock. I mean, I, I know, you know, you turned 80 this year. Mm-hmm. So I guess, I guess we always had it in mind that you know we were trying to maybe lessen some of the jobs that you were doing and say increasing the jobs that I was doing. But I got an awful shock. I felt very guilty, to be honest. I mean, I should have, I should have been outside. Really, I should have been the one doing the nighttime check. Yes, you? but you were the one doing the nighttime check all along. It was the only night that I'd gone out to do the. Uh, I mean, normally you do the nighttime check. Uh, it was just the night that was in it, and uh, I just thought I would do it, and uh, it turned out the way it did. But look, do you know? Uh, I think we could learn from it and, and just be a bit more careful. Did they ask you, was it a farm accident in the hospital? No, they didn't uh, note it down as a farm accident. Because I'm just wondering, because, you know, there are statistics every year on farm accidents, but they yeah. say a lot of them go underreported. I yeah, mean, well, it didn't go down as a farm accident um, at all, no. Yeah. I'm still in shock. It's so funny. You feel like a little girl. Remember when yeah. remember when I was little and you got run over by a load of heifers? Yes. And yeah. your face was black and yes, blue, yes, blue from yes, that. Yes. I mean, that's how it kind of... I, I, I brought that back oh, again. It kind of brought back oh. the childhood shock of, of that. Of seeing yes, you seeing yeah. you incapacitated was really scary. Mm. I mean, I feel selfish even saying it because I should be thinking about you, but I, it was just it was scary for me on, on a lot of levels as well. Yeah, yes, yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, I think it's a lesson to all of us. I know, but in the run-up to Christmas, my God, I couldn't imagine a Christmas without you. I just couldn't. I would... Uh, it, it would be worse than Santa Claus not turning up, I tell you that one. <laughs> well, we might have some good news today. I guess we're going to have the scanning man here and he's going to see if some of the ladies that weren't pregnant before we're going to see if they are pregnant now there's one or two of your favourites in that bunch as well yes exactly Pilgrim Pilgrim is in there and uh, and Plummy and she's always uh, and she's so sweet really but she's uh, not uh, not good from the fertility point of view she takes a long time to go and care yeah there's a big question mark over Mm. here in my book anyway yeah do you want to hang around or do you want to head back in and I'll give you the results later? No, I was going to go for a little walk. Is that all right? Yeah, and hopefully yeah. I'll have some good news. Yeah, I hope you'll have some good news, Ella. Yeah, yeah. Come on, good girls. Good girls. One. Hi, Martin. Not too bad. So what can you see when you put the scope in them? 
And I just look at the pregnancy first. Okay. And then I would just try to age it. And if they're at the right stage to get the sex of the pregnancy, I'll try to do that as well. Uh, good news, I never were pregnant anyway to start. No, ah, it's very good. Um, uh, 50 days. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's just that bit early to get the sex of the pregnancy. Okay, that's alright. So, 50 days anyway at the moment. The next lady is Plummy. She's one of Granny's favourites. She's big enough. I think she has, she has to be in calf. She's one of the biggest cows you have, is she? <laughs> Don't say it too loudly. We might insult her. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, Hannah. How are you? Good. You're all smiles. Tell me the news. Well, we have lots of baby calves coming next year. All cows in calf. All of the cows are in calf, including your favourite, who there was a question mark over. Um, so yeah, lots of baby calves next year. Excellent. Oh, I'm delighted. I knew by the smile on your face. I was frightened. I didn't expect them all to be in calf, to be honest. No, it's That's brilliant. excellent. Yeah. Something sm- You've been busy though. Something smells nice in here. What have you been up oh, to? Yes, making Christmas pudding and mince pies. Oh, well, you're just in time. To make a wish. So if you stir, give a little stir and make a wish. Okay, I'll do my own first. Have you made your wish? I have made my wish, yeah. Okay. I love the way you close your eyes when you're doing it. I know, I'm thinking. Serious. There we are. Done. What did you wish for? I'm not telling you, Hannah. It's it's no good if you tell the person. Or, well, not, no, not necessarily the person, but it's no good if you say what the wish is, so I'm not saying a word. I'll let you know when it comes true, though. On the first day of Christmas, my true love sent to me a portrait in a pear tree. On the second day of Christmas, my true love said to me, Two turtle doves and a partridge in a pear tree. On the fifth day of Christmas, on the third day of Christmas, my true love said to me, The ninth day of Christmas, my eighth day of
and the bells were ringing out on Christmas Day. On the twelfth day of Christmas, my true love sent to me. Parlour was a palace in a house with no room. It was plush, it was stern, it was where Santy came and where we put visitors. The priest was brought there and the odd neighbouring nun, Yankees and China, bottles of rum and sherry. There was an electric heater and an open fire, but we seldom lit them as we didn't require that room for anything other than show. Just to know it was there was simply enough. A house with no parlour was like going about in the buff. It was empty and spooky with trickles of damp, an oak veneered sideboard and a precious old lamp. There were men of rebellion pinned to the wall beside John F. Kennedy and a pope called Paul the Sixth. His solemn face suited the room which held all our riches and all of our gloom. But the parlour was peaceful if you wanted to sulk, a great place for hiding during blind man's buff. Then late in December this room came to life, the tree was brought in and was covered in lights. There were sprinkles of holly with berries of red, there was crepe paper ornaments hung by a thread. And dead flies in the window who died of regret, why go into a room where no humans were kept? We left whiskey for Santy, brown bread and cooked ham, and buns for after with strawberry jam. Then we gazed from the outside at the sparkle and bling and the spraddle-legged fireplace where himself would slide in. And we looked to the skies and searched through the stars for that farmer called Santy and his magic old cart. His cart had an engine filled with magic manure and then Santy in his wellies would roar like a hoo. Come up, come up! He'd magically rise and cross over the moon and we'd head for the bed as he'd be coming right soon. He'd come into the parlour if we had been nice, and he'd leave presents for all and memories for life. Next morning we sat there in pyjamas and socks, and wrapped in our blankets we'd open our box, our Christmas box. An apple, an orange, a few sweets and a tie, and we were told how manure could make reindeer fly. 
We found mysterious particles of dung on the roof, magically imprinted by a reindeer's hoof. Then we gathered our things and left the parlour to rest, and we headed to Mass and to look at the crib. The baby Jesus had arrived, with Joseph confused, Mary all giddy, and the wise men removed. Our father said they had to be put out in a different pen, because a farm is no place for so-called wise men. And we prayed that our livestock would make magic manure, and we'd leave it in the parlour for Santi next year. And so, this morning's Countrywide Christmas special comes to an end. I hope you've enjoyed hearing these sounds, stories, music and voices from all across the country. Our reporters on today's programme were Dermot McIntyre of Grey Heron Media, Suzanne Campbell, Brenda Donoghue, Hannah Quinn Mulligan, and to finish, writer and actor Seamus O'Rourke with The Parlour, and he was accompanied by John Devine on piano. We also heard 12 Days of Christmas by The Musical Suspects. Christmas Day by RTE Cornanog, Caribbean Christmas Holiday by the Cantet Choir in Limerick, and Jingle Bell Swing by the Sacred Heart School Choir in Tullamore. We also heard cellist Patrick Dexter playing a Wexford carol. And for more details, you can go to patrickdexter.com. Coming up after the 9 o'clock news here on Radio 1, it's Playback. We'll be back with our first show of 2022 in three weeks' time on January the 8th. To all of our listeners from the Countrywide team, thank you for listening and we'd like to wish you a very happy and safe Christmas. Countrywide on RTE Radio 1, sponsored by the Irish Farmers Journal. Now with our highest ever readership of 321,000 weekly readers. Countrywide was compiled and produced by Eileen Heron and Damien O'Reilly.